0: Today, as we look at week two of the end of the world, I want to talk to you about how to survive the end of the world, how to survive the end of the world. Look with me in Matthew 24 and verse three. We covered this scripture last week, but I want to do just a very quick review of last week's message. If you missed last week, really encourage you to get online, listen to the message, watch the message, download it on your iPod. I believe it would be very helpful to you. Matthew 24, verse 3 says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign? Everybody shout, sign. I want you to notice that last week we talked about that. What are the signs of the time? What are the signs that Jesus is coming back? What are those signs? And last week we covered five signs that we are living in the last days, he says, what, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I want to focus in today as we laid a foundation last week that we are living in the last days. There are some signs that point us to that, that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. And today I want to focus on those two words. "Your coming, Your coming. Point number one in today's message is simply this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So we looked at signs last week, and now I want to focus on the very fact that Jesus is coming back. And it's all throughout the Bible. It talks about the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come back for his church. And I just want to share with you three scriptures. There are many scriptures in the Bible that talk about this, but narrowed it down to three scriptures for today. Acts chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says, They were looking intently up into the sky. As he was going, this is his followers, Jesus' disciples, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from heaven, taken from you into heaven, will come back. Here's what I want you to notice. He will come back. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is not a fairy tale. The same Jesus that you have seen go into heaven, the Bible says he will come back for you. He'll come back for his church. Jesus is coming back. Titus talks about this in chapter 2 and verse number 13. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back, his glorious appearing. And, and many believers call it the blessed hope. And that's where they get that terminology. It, it's a hopeful thing that Jesus is coming back for his church, that we're going to get to spend eternity in his presence. What a wonderful hope that we can hang on to as followers of Jesus. Paul talks about this in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. Scripture says, according to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. That that word asleep is talking about death, believers who have died. It goes on to say, verse 16, "...for the Lord himself will come down from heaven." With a loud command, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who have died, they will rise first out of the grave. The Bible says when the Lord comes and is in the air, the, the, the dead will rise first. In verse 17 says after that, we who are still alive are, are, and are left will be caught up together with them. Those who have died in the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that could happen to us. That could be our generation, that could be you and I, that Christ comes back and, and we go to be with the Lord and meet him in the air. And the Bible says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18 is so key, it's so critical. Scripture says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with these words. Here's what I want you to know about this series, about this talk today, about the series of talks over the next several weeks. This is about encouragement. This is about hope. So many times when preachers or churches talk about the end times, it's it's fear driven and it's scary. and, And I want you to know this is about encouragement. Paul says to encourage one another with the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And oftentimes churches make the end time events a dividing point. Matter of fact, denominations have been started. Over, dividing over end time events. And, and I want you to know here at People's Church, this subject is not a dividing point for our church. As, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we're on the same team, even if we don't agree about every detail on eschatology. Now, the word eschatology simply is a fancy word for end time events. I use the word eschatology so you know I went to Bible school, but eschatology, Greek. <laughs> But it's just talking about end-time events. And here's the deal. We must approach end-time events with humility. Let me give you the raw reality. I don't know everything about end-time events. I don't have all the answers when it comes to the end-time events. And neither do you. Matter of fact, there have been some that wrote books. 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Come Back in 1988. Well, they were wrong. It's not 88 now, it's 2010. They, they, they were wrong. We don't know everything, so we need to be humble when we approach this subject. And today I want to spend a, a few minutes sharing with you some things the Bible says about the coming of Christ. And whenever I'm going to insert my opinion on something, you will, you will know because I'll let you know this is what I think about this certain topic in, in the book of Revelations, there is this event called the tribulation that's going to happen. It has not happened yet, but it's going to happen. This is a horrible seven-year period on the earth. People are going to suffer like never before. And we're going to talk more about this next week. We're going to actually look at the book of Revelations next week. I've titled the message, Snapshots of Revelations. And, and man, this is such a confusing Book, And we're going to tackle it next week and try to bring some clarity to this often confusing book and and subject of of revelations. But but this tribulation period, there are people that believe that that Jesus is going to come back for his church before the tribulation period, before this horrible, horrific time on the earth. And he's going to take his church out before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And those people are pre-tribulation people. They're called pre-tribulation. Trib people. They believe it's going to happen before the tribulation. And then there are people who are mid-trib people and with great argument. And they, they believe that in the middle of the tribulation, this seven year period, that, that uh, three and a half years into it, that God is going to take his church out of this tribulation period. And then the, the rest of the tribulation period will continue the next three and a half years. And, and those people are mid-trib People. And and then there are people who believe that, that Christ is going to come back for his church after the tribulation period, after this seven-year period, and they believe that's when Christ is going to come. And those people are called post-trib people, that they believe that Christ is coming after the tribulation period. And then there are people who are pan-trib people, and, and the pan-trib people, and that's what I am, the pan-trib people, they, they say, I don't know exactly when the Lord is going to come back, but it will all pan out in the end. That's what It'll all pan out. Write your books if you want to. But it's going to all pan out in the end. Now, now, now I, I, I'm actually more of a pre-tribulation person. That, that's kind of my view on, on this subject. I, I personally believe that Jesus is going to come back for his church before the tribulation period. And that's, that's what many Christians call the, the rapture of the church. And the rapture of the church is the first phase of The second coming it's not the totality of the second coming. It's the first phase where Jesus raptures the church out, takes the church out. Then there's this tribulation period. And then Jesus comes back with this second coming. And he completes the second coming by coming back to earth, actually comes back to earth. And the Bible says with his saints following him and he's going to defeat Satan. He's going to defeat the enemy once and for all. Let's quickly look at this whole rapture event. The Bible talks about in first Thessalonians chapter four. Verse 16 through 17. I read this verse to you a few moments ago, but let's revisit it. The Bible says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still, le- still alive and are left will be caught up. Everybody shout caught up. This is very important for you to grasp. The, the rapture of the church is a catching up event. The, the saints are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ and those who are still alive on the earth, they'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. The Bible says they're caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. The Bible says nothing at this point about Jesus coming to the earth. It's a catching up event. That, that, that's the rapture. The church gets caught up to be with the Lord forever. The Bible also talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can jot that in your notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 through 54. It talks about how the saints will be caught up to meet the Lord, and the Bible actually calls it a mystery in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it says it's a mystery. Our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, the Scripture says. How many of you glad that when we meet the Lord in the air, he's going to change our bodies? That's good news, huh? Come on, some of you ought to be shouting because your body is broke down. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I little broke down thing that you got. Hey man, you ought to be thanking the Lord. And I'm excited to get a new body that will never break down because you know what it lets me know? I can eat whatever I want to eat. Don't have to worry about it, huh? French fries and hamburgers for breakfast. You know what I'm talking about? Brahms ice cream, double dip for lunch. You see what I'm saying? Krispy Kreme donuts to top it off. I mean, you can eat. We get new bodies. I thought I would insert that because that's good news, church. That's good news. It's a catching up event. But now what I want you to notice is that this whole second coming is a coming down event. The rapture is a catching up event, I believe, before the tribulation. But then there's the second coming coming to fruition when Jesus comes down to the earth and actually the saints, the Bible says, follow him. Jude chapter, Jude verse 14 and 15 says this. Now, Enoch The seventh from Adam prophesied about these men saying also, also saying, behold, the Lord comes. He's coming down. The Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Now, where did the saints come from? I thought we were down here on earth. Well, the rapture of the church. The saints are with the Lord. And then when God comes back to defeat Satan once and for all, the Bible says 10,000 of his saints come with them. And these are the folk we raptured out. Verse 15, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. All my note takers, my Bible students, just jot this down. Revelations 19 revelations 19 verse 11 through 16 you can read it read that on your own revelations 19 verse 11 through 16 it talks about Jesus coming back to earth with an army of Christians following him now, this is not a catching up event like the rapture this is a coming down event the the, the second coming when Jesus comes back and he defeats the enemy once and for all Zechariah chapter 14 jot that down Zechariah 14 verse 3 through 4 it talks about the Lord coming down and His feet actually touching the earth. This is not a catching up event like the rapture of the church. This is a coming down event. And the Bible actually says that his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. I want you to notice there's a difference. The catching up of the saints, the Christians, the rapture, and then the coming down, the actual second coming of the Lord To defeat the enemy once and for all. Another reason that I personally believe in a a pre-rapture, I kind of lean that way. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath, which I believe is referring to the tribulation period. There's suffering, there's pain on this earth, but when God's wrath is poured out, he's raptures his church out. He rescues us from the coming wrath. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. I don't believe God has appointed us, according to Scripture, to suffer wrath, that, 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 that tribulation period. He's not appointed that for us, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now that's my view. That's my opinion on the the end time events, this pre-tribulation, this rapture of the church. But let me say this. This is not a dividing point. If you're mid-trib, that's cool. If you're post-trib, praise the Lord. If you're pan-trib, I really like you. We're going to all pan out in the end. It it didn't really matter to me what you really believe because here's the real issue. Here's the big thing that we need to all grab a hold of is that Jesus is coming back. I mean, that's the whole issue. Now, we can argue minutiae, but the real issue is that Jesus Christ is going to come back for his church, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Now, 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 here's what I want to do for the next few moments. is I want to spend the rest of my time talking about how we should live while we're waiting on Jesus to return. How to survive the end of the world as it is approaching. The Bible says back in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse one through two, it says, now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you for, you know, very well that the day of the Lord will come. Notice this like a thief in the night when the Lord comes back, it's going to be like a thief in the night. Let me just interject this very quickly. Another really strong reason that I personally believe in the pre-trib rapture of the church, the church will be caught up to be with the Lord during the rapture period is because of the imminent return of Christ. Now, when I use the word imminent, all I'm saying is simply this, is that Jesus Christ could come back at any time. The Bible says it will be like a thief in the night. Matter of fact, it says about time, I'm not going to talk to you about times and dates. We do not need to write to you about because nobody knows when the Lord is going to come back. But, but if, if it was this tribulation period, this tribulation period is so specific in Revelation. and lays out details. And, and I mean, you could kind of pinpoint when the Lord is going to come back. But the Bible says you won't be able to do that. It's going to be like a thief in the night, which makes me lean towards the, 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 the church being raptured before the tribulation period. A thief in the night. That's what it's going to be like when the Lord comes back. And friends, as I've said before, people have written books about when the Lord is going to come. But they were wrong. Because you don't know the time of the day. 88 reasons when the Lord is going to come back. He was wrong. How many remember in 1999? Why 2K? Get your supplies. Get your water. You better find a place to hide. The world's coming to an end. The devil's going to get you. Jesus is coming. I mean, a lot of stuff. Now, it's 2010 now. They were wrong. My computer didn't crash. How about yours? They were wrong. And he said, listen, it's not about time or days. We don't know when the Lord is going to come. It's going to be like a thief in the night And he continues on talking about this whole event of the Lord coming back in, chap- in verse 3 through 9. But I want to take you to verse 10. Now, the context of this whole chapter is that the Lord is coming back like a thief of the night. And he goes on to say in verse 10, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether we die in Christ or we are, are still alive on this earth when he comes, he, he died for us that we may live together with him. Verse 11, therefore encourage. I like that. Encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. This is encouraging stuff. It's not scary stuff. This is encouraging stuff. Jesus is coming back for his church, and we can take encouragement in that. Now, here's what I want you to see. The very next verse that I'm going to read to you in just a second, it begins with the word now. Everybody shout now. Now that you know that Jesus is coming back, Paul says, here's how you should live. Now that you know that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night, here's how you survive the end of the world. And he lays out in the rest of the chapter how we should live, how we should survive, how we function, how we should operate as we wait on Jesus to return. And I want to give you eight ways you need to live while you're waiting on Christ's return. Number one is this. Live with covering. Live with Covering. I want to make you in time ready. Live with covering. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 through 13, the very next verse. Now, now I, I told you Jesus is coming back. I told you it's going to be like a thief in the night. Now, here's what you need to do. Now, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. The Bible says, as you're waiting on Christ to come, live with covering. It says, have spiritual leaders. This is talking about spiritual leaders, pastors, elders of the church. In other words, let me just make it real simple. The Bible says, in these last days, what you need is a church home you you need a pastor over your life you 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 need a church family you you need christian friends you need a community group you need Wednesday night connections i encourage you to be here where i'm only teaching overcoming the obstacles of life you're going to be able to meet, meet some friends we're going to have some some chicken and some some sub sandwiches i mean we're we're going to have a great time together we need this listen let me tell you something there is safety and protection under a covering under a local church and paul says man listen listen there's false prophets it's false teaching. Don't get out there on your own and get weird. You need to submit to authority. You need some Christian leaders. You need to be in a Bible believing church in these last days. Don't get out there all by yourself. How many ever seen a Christian out there all by themselves? They get weird. You know what I'm saying? Get, what are you talking about? You weird. You gotta get in the church. You need a pastor. It's dangerous to be out there all by yourself. And he says, in these last days, live with a covering as you wait for Jesus to return. Number two is this. Number two is this. He says, let let me tell you what you need to do while you're waiting on Christ to return. Live with passion. Live with passion. The very next verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Paul says, listen, don't be idle, don't be lukewarm, don't live your Christian life on cruise control, be passionate for Jesus. Some of you last night, you Sooner fans, some of you rented the game, you, rent, you bought the game on TV, some of you went to the game, some of you listened to it on radio. Uh, you was about half depressed, screaming at the radio, you know what I'm saying, screaming at the game. I can't believe Utah State's about to beat us. You know, you was mad. You Oklahoma State fans. Ah, 52 points last night. 250 yards by your running back, man. You were shouting and screaming. Look at you. Somebody excited right now about to get up and buck. You know what I mean? Thank you, Jesus. And the same passion you have for your football team, it ought to be intensified for Jesus Christ. You ought to be more passionate about Jesus than anything else. And Paul says, man, listen, listen, these last days we're living in, there ought to be a passion for Jesus and it ought to show up in the way that you live. You ought to do something because you're passionate for God. And so he says, listen, don't be idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Have some action to your faith because you're so passionate about Jesus Christ. And these last days, man, we need to be passionate for Christ. Number three is this. Let me give you a third thing that you need to live, the third way you need to live while waiting on Christ's return. Live with forgiveness. Live with forgiveness. I want you to notice the very next verse. Verse 15, it says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Paul says in these last days, you don't want your heart to get all messed up over issues that don't really matter. And if you're like me, if you're like your pastor, it doesn't take much for me to get all messed up on the inside over stuff that really just doesn't matter. Let, let me tell you, sometimes, at least once, twice a month, let me be honest, once, twice a month, I just get mad. Somebody says something to me that I perceive as rude, and I want to give them peace of my mind. You going to talk to me? And I, It's not at church. No, that happened at church. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't happen at church. It's out there in the world, out there in the world. People can say some rude stuff, and I just want to go off on folks. Just give them peace of my mind. Yeah, this nice, friendly pastor who teaches the Bible to you every week and smiles at you, I want to hurt somebody. You know what I'm saying? You don't talk to me like that. I will let you, do you know, I will come across that counter. You no, know, how you going to talk to me? Talk to me like you got some sense. You know, I mean, that's how I feel. And I I want to do something, but I I hold back because I don't want you to see me on Channel 9 News talking about, That's Pastor. Pastor hurt somebody. Over a burrito. I mean, what's wrong with Pastor? And so, you know what I've learned to do? I just let it go. I just drop it. I just, you know what? I'm bigger than that. I'm dropping it. This is not that big a deal for me to get all this mad over. And I just, I have just learned when I get up, I just, just drop it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, growing up in Wewoka, Oklahoma, this is a true story. There was one man in Wewoka that shot another man over a hot link sandwich. Now, how many know he should have dropped it? How many know, huh? It ain't worth going to jail over a hot link sandwich. We could have got you another hot link, bubba. Drop it. It's not that big of a deal. Drop it. You got to learn to drop it. You know what happens to people? Here's what happens. is oftentimes we put issues before people. And you got to be careful not to put issues before people because when you start putting issues before people, you start getting hateful, you get bitter, you won't forgive, you won't let it go because you're putting the issue before people. And the Bible says, listen, in these last days, as you're waiting for Jesus Christ to come, drop it. Make sure that your heart is right. The last thing you want to do is when Jesus comes back is your heart is all messed up over issues that really don't matter. Drop it. Drop it. Number four is this. A fourth way you need to live while waiting on Christ's return. Now, this is key. This is one of the big keys on how to survive the end of the world. Number four, live with joy. Live with joy. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, the very next verse, how to make us end time ready. Be joyful always. Always. One of the reasons that I so respect and admire the Apostle Paul is because he lived a life of joy. It didn't matter, matter whether he was facing difficult circumstances. He had joy in his heart. It could be sunshiny or cloudy. He had joy. It could be a good day or a bad day. He had joy. He could be rich or in poverty, have a lot or little. He had joy. He could be healthy or sick, but he had joy. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote these words while sitting in a jail cell to the church at Philippi. He writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you think you got an excuse, I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Can I tell you one of the keys in these last days as you wait on Christ to return? One of the keys is this. you got to learn to enjoy life. You need to learn to enjoy Jesus. You need to learn to have a joyful heart and to rejoice in God. Be joyful always. Can I tell you, some of you, you're living life like you're sucking on lemons all day long, just sour, mean, upset. I mean, don't, can't nothing get you full? Listen, in his presence is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you need to be, can I tell you what I've decided in my own life? This is just me. you be upset if you won't suck on lemons, be mean, turn your lips around, act ugly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy Jesus. I'm going to enjoy my wife. I'm going to enjoy my kids. I'm going to enjoy pastoring this church. I'm going to enjoy living my life. I've made it up in my, I'm going to be joyful always. You go ahead and be in the, in the dumps. Your whole, I'm going to enjoy life. Paul says, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you how to be end time ready. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Number five is this. There's a, a, fifth, a fifth way that we should live as we're waiting on Christ to return. Now, understand, the context of these scriptures that I'm reading to you are, what do you do while you're waiting on Christ to return? How do you live? Number five is this. Live with prayer. Live with prayer. Prayer. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, pray continually. And I talked to you last week about how important it is to pray in these last days. That we carve out time on a consistent basis to pray, that we stay close to God in prayer, that we pray for ourselves, we pray for our family, we pray for our workplace, we pray for our school, we pray for our neighborhood, we pray for people to come to Christ, we pray for our city, we pray for our state, we pray for our nation, we pray for our world, we pray for people to come to Christ, we pray for peace, we pray. Listen, one of the key attributes of a believer's life should be a consistent time of prayer, that our life oozes out prayer to our Heavenly Father. Number six is this, number six is this, how to survive the end of the world. Here's another real, real, real key one. This is key, this is key. Live with gratitude. Live with gratitude. I want you to see what he says in the very next verse as he's talking about the return of Christ and how we should live. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is? Let me tell you what God's will is. Be thankful in all circumstances. That means you give thanks to God no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. You you give thanks to the Lord. Here's what I want us to do. I want all of us to participate in the seven-day challenge. A seven-day challenge. This this is going to be key. Seven-day challenge. Here's the challenge. Over the next seven days, I want you to thank God in all circumstances. Just seven days. Now, some of you, this is going to be hard because you're addicted to complaining, But I want you to try this. The next seven days, you thank the Lord in all circumstances. You get to work Monday morning. Somebody does something you don't like. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're driving to work this week. You're driving the kids to school. You get a flat tire. You get out the car, and it starts to rain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of your kids in the house and they know better and they're throwing a frisbee around and it hits your new HD flat screen TV right before the NFL season kicks off on Thursday. Thank you, Jesus. 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 you, Jesus. You try it the next seven days. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you will put this into practice, your life will be better. If you'll, be, if you'll thank God in all circumstances, your outlook on life will be better. Your perspective will be better. Your attitude will be better. How you treat people will be better. If you'll be thankful in all circumstances. Let me tell you, wife, your husband will look better. Husband, your wife will be more pretty. Your kids will be better if you'll be thankful. They're the same people, but you have a different perspective. Thank you, Jesus. He's handsome now. Paul says, let me make you end time ready. Let me make you end time ready. Live with gratitude. Live with gratitude. Have a thankful heart as you're waiting for Christ to come. Number seven is this. Number seven is this. Live with power. Live with power. He says in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Can I tell you, I believe that God is still working I believe in the miracle working power of God. I believe that God still heals people. I believe God sets the captive free. I still believe that God does the supernatural. I believe that God can change the hardest heart. Listen to me. The Bible says in these last days, do not put out the spirit's fire. Can I tell you, I believe in the in in the miracle working power of God is still working in hearts and lives today. And in these last days, you and I need to live with power with an expectancy for God's power to work and to change hearts and lives. Number eight is this. I close with number eight. I'm going to ask as I wrap up, just no moving around. I want us to conclude this. What I have to say I believe is very important. Number eight is this. Live with purity. You want to know how to live, how to be in time ready? Live with purity. He goes on to say in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, avoid every kind of evil. What? How do we do that? Avoid every kind of evil. Is that possible? Avoid every kind of evil. He tells us how. Verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You know what the good news is? Is you don't have to change yourself. God changes people. The Bible says the God of peace, God himself, will sanctify you through and through. He will cleanse. He will change you if you will let him. If you'll surrender to him. If you'll let the Holy Spirit change you, God will do the work. The Bible says, may your whole spirit, I really like this, your whole spirit, not half your spirit, may your whole spirit, may your whole soul and body, not half your soul, not half your body, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. As we're waiting for the Lord to come, live a life of purity. Let God's Holy Spirit sanctify you and change your heart day after day. I conclude with this last scripture in Matthew 24, verse number 40. As Jesus is talking to his disciples about his return, here's what Jesus said. Verse 40 says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. The rapture of the church. Verse 41, two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, the imminent return of Christ, he could come at any time. He would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So here's what Jesus says. He says the same thing as Paul in 1 Thessalonians. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Let's be ready. Let's live with purity. Let's have a thankful heart. Let's be joyful always. Let's be people of prayer. Let's have lives surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit and let God sanctify us through and through and change our hearts and lives. Jesus said, be ready. And that's my prayer. Some of you today, you need to drop some stuff. It's not that big of a deal. Drop it. Let your heart be right with God. Let some things go. Some of you today you need to do some repenting, turning from some stuff and turning to God. Get some things right with Jesus. Just be ready. Can I tell you, this is encouraging as a believer. This is encu- Jesus is coming back. I where want to have my heart ready. Because I want all that God has for me. I want all the rewards that he has for me in heaven. And I'm going to talk about that one week. About the rewards. What does that look like? What's going to happen when we get to heaven? What happens in this afterlife? What's going to take place? I'm going to talk about that. You don't, you don't want to miss it. And some of you in this place today, I want to encourage you with this. You're not a follower of Jesus. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. That tug, that gnawing, that's God working on your heart. Drawing you to Jesus that he can wash away your sins today, that you can spend forever and ever in his presence. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can take...